The Walt Disney Company has switched Bob's. I've got all the news behind the CEO drama right now. This video is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Merle to see how you can get three months free and stay tuned for more info. Hello everybody, I'm Dan Merle, here with what everybody loves going to movie YouTube for, corporate drama. But this is some pretty juicy corporate drama because there's been a changing of the guard at the top of the Walt Disney Corporation. Bob Chapik, who was brought in to replace CEO Bob Iger, has been replaced by Bob Iger. This was a stunning turn of events and it's going to have big consequences going forward, not only at Disney, but in the entertainment industry in general. So I wanted to give you a little bit of background about who Bob Iger is, who Bob Chapik is how they ended up switching from one CEO back to the previous CEO at Disney and what all of this means going forward. Let's start first with Bob Iger, who was brought into the Disney fold back in 1995 to run the ABC network. He became president and chief operating officer of Disney in the year 2000 and replaced Michael Eisner as CEO in 2005. Bob Iger presided over an explosive era of growth at Disney, which was dominated by several acquisitions that he helped to spearhead. In 2006, Disney acquired Pixar for a deal worth $7.4 billion in stock. Pixar movies have since brought in over $11 billion in worldwide grosses. In 2009, Disney bought Marvel Entertainment for $4 billion. MCU movies have since generated over $25 billion in box office revenue worldwide. And in 2012, Disney acquired Lucasfilm for $4 billion. The Star Wars movies have generated over $5.9 billion in worldwide box office revenue since. Of course, none of the box office figures include the lucrative merchandising deals for each one of these franchises. The revenues from those deals likely go into the hundreds of millions of dollars or more. Bob Iger was also at the helm for Disney's acquisition of 20th Century Fox and for the development and launch of the Disney Plus streaming service. In short, Bob Iger was the CEO of Disney as the company transformed from being the leader in theme parks and family entertainment to being a leader in worldwide entertainment and along with Netflix forming the tip of the spear in the streaming revolution. Bob Iger announced his intention to retire in 2020 and selected his own successor in Bob Chapik, another Disney veteran who did not share the same background or reputation inside and outside of the company as Bob Iger did. To begin with, Bob Chapik was not a creative executive. He began his career in the 1990s in Disney's home video division, where he guided the company's transition from VHS to DVD and later high-definition formats. From there, Bob Chapik moved to distribution then became the head of consumer products, basically the toys and merchandising side of Disney. In 2014, Chapik became the head of Disney Parks and Resorts, where he oversaw the launch of Galaxy's Edge in multiple parks. His guidance of the theme park division, along with other consumer products, resulted in him being named Iger's successor as CEO, and he took the reins in February of 2020. But there was an unpleasant surprise in store for Chapik immediately after he took over Disney, and that was the COVID-19 pandemic, which saw all of the traditional revenue streams for Disney, theatrical releases, theme park admissions, vanish in an instant. Bob Iger, who was still at Disney in the short term in 2020 to manage the transition to Bob Chapik, was asked to stay on at the company until the end of 2021. This was something that reportedly soured the relationship between Bob Chapik and Bob Iger. And to be fair, this was a crisis that was unprecedented in its scope for a new CEO that all of a sudden had the previous CEO sitting and looking over his shoulder. 
But as difficult as the COVID-19 pandemic was to navigate, Chapik's biggest controversies came after theme parks and movie theaters began to reopen in 2020 and 2021. Chapik made several unpopular decisions at Disney parks once they reopened, ending the free FastPass system and replacing it with a paid service called Genie Plus. Genie Plus required additional payments to access something called Lightning Lanes, which allowed theme park guests to pay on-demand entry fees to the park's most popular attractions. Mara and I went to Disney World about two months ago, and I can attest that the Genie Plus add-on, if you want to do everything in a theme park on a given day, is almost a requirement. And those lightning lane passes are also almost a requirement if you want to guarantee your admission to things like the new Guardians of the Galaxy ride at Epcot or Rise of the Resistance at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And the addition of those services tax on 15 to 30 bucks minimum to what you're already paying every single day. Now, Mara and I, as a couple that were going to Disney World, were able to budget that into what we were already doing, but you can see easily that for people that are going on more of a budget or for a family going with four or five, six, seven people, then that becomes pretty cost-restrictive very quickly. Park admission prices were also raised and Disney began applying restrictions to their most loyal park guests, the annual pass holders. A new reservation system was also introduced that many accused of causing overcrowding and understaffing at the Disney parks. In addition, the popular park hopper feature on Disney passes was restricted until after 2 p.m., which meant that guests couldn't park hop at will in the morning hours between different Disney parks and a free shuttle service from the Orlando airport to various Disney resorts was also discontinued, requiring people flying into Orlando to pay for their own transport to different Disney hotels. There were other services that were discontinued, like Disney dining plans and free magic bands for hotel guests that you would now have to pay for. In short, the most magical place on Earth slowly lost its magic for a lot of Disney fans who felt that they were being nickel and dimed by the new regime. On the movie side, Chapit continued the existing pre-pandemic strategy to go all in on Disney+, Plus, which saw a lot of films get hybrid releases in 2021. This was through a new service called Disney Plus Premier Access, and it basically meant that a movie was available in theaters and on Disney Plus for the same day, where Disney Plus users could pay a premium fee, usually around $30, to watch the movie at home. These movies included Jungle Cruise, Cruella, and significantly, Black Widow. Scarlett Johansson sued Disney because she she believed that the decision to stream on Disney Plus simultaneously meant that she would miss out on bonuses due to lost box office revenue, and the studio responded by basically accusing her of taking advantage of the pandemic for personal gain. This response from Disney reportedly angered a lot of people, not just Scarlett Johansson, but producers and managers and agents. Even Kevin Feige was reportedly very upset that Disney responded to Johansson in the way that they did. The lawsuit was eventually settled, but the hurt feelings from from the response led by Bob Chapik to the situation lingered. Several other movies were taken out of theaters altogether. 2020's Mulan, which had a reported budget of $200 million, was released straight to Disney Plus as a rentable title for that $30 fee. But the biggest hit was taken by Pixar, one of the most lucrative divisions of the company, which saw three consecutive films, Soul, Luca, and Turning Red, 
all released straight to Disney Plus with no rental fee required. This reportedly angered a lot of the creatives at Pixar who felt duped and also felt that the company was saying that their work wasn't worthy of theatrical exhibition or that they were being sacrificed on the altar of streaming growth and following the severe underperformance of Lightyear at the box office this past summer, many felt that in addition to quality issues around the film, that the brand had been hurt because people had been trained to see it as a streaming-only property and that it wasn't necessary to go see Pixar films in theaters anymore. Other high-profile films like Hocus Pocus 2, Disenchanted, Robert Zemeckis' live-action Pinocchio, and Chippendale Rescue Rangers were all developed exclusively for Disney+, Plus, foregoing potentially lucrative theatrical releases in favor of luring subscribers to the streaming service. The cost of these films were added to an escalating amount of money that was being invested in streaming. We've had six Star Wars shows and eight Marvel shows alone that were produced exclusively for Disney+, Plus, in addition to dozens of others. It was always Disney's plan to invest heavily in streaming. It was a game plan that was drawn up under Bob Iger before Bob Chapek took over. And the heavy focus and spending on streaming would be fine if the numbers bore out that it was a sound strategy. But as so many other streamers have been learning, like Netflix and HBO Max, things like day and date releases and investing heavily in original programming do help to attract subscribers, but it may not be enough to stem the losses from that heavy investment. And there has been an industry-wide feeling for several months now that the streaming bubble might be bursting. Things came to a head a couple of weeks ago when Chapik revealed in Disney's fourth quarter financials that streaming losses for the fourth quarter alone stood at $1.5 billion, more than double the streaming losses from the same quarter a year before. And while Disney Plus had continued to grow its subscriber base, the mounting losses were severely cutting into Disney's profits. As a result, Disney stock fell to two-year lows with analysts forecasting continued losses across the company's streaming divisions, compounded with increased losses on linear television divisions like ESPN that have been occurring for years. As a result, Chapek announced a company-wide hiring freeze and also hinted that layoffs may be hitting the company soon. But the issues with Chapek weren't all dollars and cents. It was also his general attitude with issues that were both related to company business and not related to company business that put a lot of people on their heels. After a controversial piece of Florida legislation regarding classroom instruction passed this year that became known as the Don't Say Gay Bill, Chapek faced a firestorm from Disney employees, creatives, and fans for the company's refusal to take a stance against the bill. And once Chapek did speak out against it, an outcry resulted from proponents of the legislation, which allowed Florida Governor Ron DeSantis to revoke Disney's self-governing status for its Orlando theme park properties in the state. And while no response to this legislation would have been universally liked because of the way that Chapek handled the company's reaction to it, he was able to somehow anger both people who were for and against the bill. Internally, Chapek shocked the company by abruptly firing Peter Rice, a Fox executive who had transitioned to become the head of Walt Disney Television. Peter Rice was considered by a lot of people to be a potential candidate to replace Bob Chapek as CEO if he was ousted because there were already grumblings that Chapek's position may be tenuous. So this seemed like either a power play from Chapek or an abrupt firing of somebody who, while reports had indicated may have had trouble working with some people inside of the Disney Corporation, was generally well-liked, was considered to be a very competent executive, and the manner of his ouster was considered to be very personally embarrassing for Peter Rice. He was essentially fired with no warning and just shown the door, which is very rare with ousters on the executive level in the entertainment industry. 
Chapik also seemed to, at times, exhibit a fundamental misunderstanding of Disney's fan base. He made some comments last month, for example, that raised a lot of eyebrows because he seemed to imply that adult fans of Disney didn't want to watch Disney animated films. I always say that one, our fans and our audiences put their kids to bed at night after watching Pinocchio or Dumbo or Little Mermaid, they're probably not going to tune into another animated movie. Mm -hmm. they, they want something for them. So in short, under Chapik's leadership, the parks division remained profitable, but instituted several changes that upset the company's most loyal customer base and potentially made visiting a Disney park too expensive for many more. The continued investment in streaming led to bigger than expected losses that contributed to a downturn in the company's stock price and potential layoffs. And Chapik himself became unpopular in many circles due to his internal actions as CEO, his reactions to political situations outside the company, and public statements that many felt to be tone deaf for the CEO of Disney. Amid all of this, still, it was shocking to the entertainment world on Sunday night, which is very rare for an announcement like this to come down, that Bob Chapik would be leaving his position as CEO effective immediately, and that Bob Iger would be returning for a two-year contract that would also involve selecting his own successor. Reporting from the LA Times seems to indicate that this was not a decision that was long in the making. According to their story, members of the Disney board approached Bob Iger just last Friday, and sources told the New York Times that Chapik's presentation of the disappointing fourth quarter report and a seeming lack of acknowledgement for how serious the financial news was spurred the board to take action. Now, it does suck that Bob Chapik lost such a high-profile job, but we shouldn't feel too bad for him because due to a contract extension that was offered to him earlier this year, Chapik will reportedly be leaving the company with about $20 million in his pocket. Now, it's important to note once again that the streaming-first strategy was not Bob Chapik's idea. This was something that Bob Iger helped to plan and institute before he left back in 2020. But it was also very clear that that strategy needed to be changed. And given all of the other issues surrounding Bob Chapik, I think the Disney board saw an opportunity to institute this strategy change by bringing in a former CEO that was well-liked within the company and that would excite fans and, more importantly, Disney's shareholders with his return. And it should be noted that Disney stock did shoot up upon the news that Bob Iger would be returning as CEO. So what does Bob Iger's return mean, and what is the company's strategy change going to be all about? Well, we have some pretty big clues, and it happened the very first day that Iger returned to his role as CEO. One of Iger's first actions was to fire Kareem Daniel, the head of Disney's media and entertainment division, in what Iger says will be a wholesale reorganization of how they handle film, TV, and streaming programming. In a memo to all employees, Iger said in part, quote, I've asked Dana Walden, Alan Bergman, Jimmy Pitaro and Christine McCarthy to work together on the design of a new structure that puts more decision making back in the hands of our creative teams and rationalizes costs. And this will necessitate a reorganization of Disney media and entertainment distribution. I fundamentally believe that storytelling is what fuels this company and it belongs at the center of how we organize our businesses. The translation of this statement in these moves for me is that the company will no longer just be throwing an infinite amount of programming onto Disney Plus just to build subscriber growth with the hope that that is going to make the service profitable in the near future. Instead, I think that we're going to see fewer films that are made exclusively for Disney Plus and more that are put into the theatrical market, particularly Pixar films, which are still potentially very lucrative with traditional distribution. And we may also see a scaling back of programming in general made for Disney Plus. We might see quality over quantity here. 
And it also sounds like the development of movies and shows at Disney and the decision about whether they're going to be theatrical releases or streaming shows will likely be put back into the hands of creative heads like Kevin Feige at Marvel and Kathleen Kennedy at Lucasfilm, and that the streaming first corporate strategy may not guide the decision making as much as it has. And this is welcome news to me because, for example, I think that both Obi-Wan Kenobi and The Falcon and the Winter Soldier are easy examples of streaming shows that should have been feature films and whose stories suffered because additional material was added to make them episodic. Overall, it also seems like Iger wants to go back to formula and look at a more holistic view of distribution across all platforms, streaming, theatrical, linear, etc., to balance everything out and really try to do what is most cost-effective for each one of these movies and shows. Some of those are going to be popular things, some of those are going to be unpopular things, but when the leader in the new streaming revolution, minus perhaps Netflix, is making strong indications that the era of reckless spending and investment in streaming is over, that I think this is the final, final confirmation, as if we didn't already know, that we are ending this first phase of the streaming wars where everybody just dumps boatloads of cash into their streaming service, hoping to become the industry leader. Now it is time for them all to look at their costs, to cut costs, to keep what's working, and to maybe right the ship a little bit so that not everything is pointed over at streaming. Now, I don't want to say I told you so, but I've been saying for a very long time that I have never understood how all of these companies could pump billions and billions and billions of dollars into their streaming services, Netflix included, without knowing what subscriber growth is going to be or what their profit margins are going to be. And this is a huge correction in the entertainment industry. Now, the end result may be good in that we get a more balanced distribution model, but let's be clear that this experimentation is also going to cost a lot of people their jobs. At the corporate level, a lot of people say, well, this is just the cost of doing business, but this is a human cost, and it is the darker side of innovation across nearly every industry. Now, theme park fans are really hoping that Iger is going to roll back Chapik's big changes in that division. Things like reinstituting a free fast pass system and getting rid of Genie Plus. I don't really know if that's going to happen. If I were going to guess, the first move that Iger is going to do is to maybe tweak or get rid of the reservation system and get the staffing back up at a lot of Disney parks to reduce wait times and also to reduce ride shutdowns due to maintenance. That's been a big complaint of parks in the recent years. I also think that there are going to be some measures to entice annual pass holders back to Disney, particularly at Disneyland in California. The strategy that Bob Chapik seemed to have in mind was to make it cost prohibitive, yes, but to make a family come once and spend a lot of money. I think that we'll see a move back to the model of balancing between families that come for a destination vacation and regular consumers that also provide a huge amount of recurring income. The rest of the stuff, like getting rid of GD Plus and bringing back Fast Pass and cutting down on some of these extra charges. I don't know if Bob Iger's going to do that. First of all, that would be getting rid of a lot of development on things like Genie Plus, and I don't necessarily think that the company is prepared to do that. So instead of wholesale changes, I think that we're going to see a lot of tweaks to what Chapik did and maybe a rolling back of some of those measures if it's considered to be something that could bring in more revenue. I think it's also likely that the financial consequences of what's been happening aren't just going to go away because Bob Iger took over. I think you'll still see probably a hiring freeze at Disney. I think we'll probably 
probably still see layoffs at Disney. Bob Iger is not Tinkerbell. He can't come in and just wave a magic wand and make the profits go up versus what's already happening. This is a big ship. You can't just turn the wheel and all of a sudden bring in more money. Iger is not there to make a quick change that's going to immediately make the company profitable. He is there to spearhead a new strategy, a multi-year strategy that's going to take time to implement and then handpick another successor who will execute that strategy over a number of years. I honestly think the return of Iger as CEO is somewhere between a strategic maneuver and a PR move. Because let's be really honest here. If revenue had been way up, if the profits for Disney had been up 50, 60, 70% because of streaming and they were getting more money coming in, Bob Chapik wouldn't have been ousted. This is ultimately about money. Yes, the politics and everything, are part of it. And I do think that Bob Iger is going to come in and help to repair a lot of frayed relationships, both inside and outside of the company. That part of Bob Chapik's legacy can't be discounted. But ultimately, money talks and Chapik walked because not enough money was coming in. And the hope with Iger is that because he was able to guide the company to so many successful years in the past, he will be able to replicate that and do it again. Now that's a lot of pressure and there's no guarantee that he's going to be able to do it because the entertainment industry, the media industry is in a massive state of flux right now. It was already in a massive state of flux before the pandemic even started. So I don't automatically think that Bob Iger is going to come in and fix everything at Disney. But the fact of the matter is that Disney saw an opportunity with Bob Chapik, a very unpopular CEO, to put a new face on the company and the appearance of a brand new start. What's gonna happen from here, what the company does next, I have no idea, but it's going to be a new strategy. And it just goes to show you in the entertainment industry and everywhere else, the more things change, the more they stay the same. So that's my whole wrap up and take on the Bob Chapik, Bob Iger situation. What do you think is next for Disney? Let me know down in the comments below. And before we go, I wanna thank the sponsor for this video, ExpressVPN. What if there was someone out there who, let's say, kept a log of every single thing you did every minute of the day? Maybe they made a list that they checked frequently to see if you were good or bad. That creepiness is worth it when you're getting presents, but what if I told you that it's exactly what happens every time you go online? Your internet provider is allowed to store logs of your activity and then can legally sell that data to anybody. That's why I always use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN reroutes your interconnection through their secure servers so that your internet provider can't see or log what you do online. Many VPNs claim to have a no logs policy, but ExpressVPN is the only one to use trusted server technology, which makes it impossible for their VPN servers to store any data, including logs of any ExpressVPN customer. And you don't have to take my or ExpressVPN's word for it. ExpressVPN is so confident in their no logs claim they even had one of the biggest assurance firms, PricewaterhouseCoopers, audit their technology. Stop letting people keep logs of what you do online. Visit expressvpn.com slash Merle right now and find out how you can get three months free. That's expressvpn.com slash Merle, expressvpn.com slash Merle to learn more. Thanks to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this video, and thank you for watching. I have several more videos coming out this week as more movies hit theaters, more awards movies. Disney has its own movie, Strange World, that's hitting theaters that I'll be reviewing here on the channel tomorrow, plus much, much more. Stay tuned for more reviews, news, box office, and more. Until then, stay safe. Have a happy Thanksgiving week if you're celebrating here in the United States and elsewhere, and I'll see you soon. Bye.
Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.